What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and yesterday we had a glorious day of football. I feel like the games were as exciting and high-scoring and competitive as they've been all season long here, which brings us to today, where we recap the entire thing and we talk through my fantasy football takeaways from Week 7 and look forward and apply them to Week 8. This is called my Top 10 Lessons Learned, Observations, Takeaways, Whatever, from the games that happen, and we apply it to fantasy football. So we have a lot to get into today. If you enjoy, make sure you get on below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, you'll also notice a sign in the back. We just got this over there. It's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Underdog Fantasy, shout out to them. Of course, one of the biggest sponsors on the channel, really the biggest sponsor on the channel, Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code RON, the measure deposit up to, I believe it's still up to $500 on their website. We have NBA coming up right now, or you have the NBA pickums. They have season-long projections where you can go higher or lower on like LeBron James points, uh, points per game, rebounds over the entire season. You can do it more daily, so it's sort of skewed towards the opening night on Tuesday. A lot of cool stuff going in the NBA. Uh, you also have the Monday Night Football game going on tonight. A lot of cool stuff. Make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. They are the best. They just consistently outdo themselves. They send me lights. They send me on a trip with my boys to go do our live draft in the summer. They are truly the best. Now, we talk about our top 10 lessons learned from week seven of the fantasy football season. First up, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. And that is what I'm calling the Bijan Robinson flu game. Now, instead of going out there and going crazy like Michael Jordan did in his flu game, Bijan Robinson did... Pretty much nothing. Now, it's obviously like, I don't know, you can speculate on what really is going on with Bijan where, we don't know, migraines, was it just a headache? I mean, this was the quote that I picked out that he said, or the Fox brought, this was tweeted by the underdog account. The Fox broadcast reported at halftime Robinson was not feeling well, and the player himself confirmed he was dealing with a consistent headache in the locker room at Raymond James Stadium afterward. It started last night. I was feeling weird. Robinson said, I woke up just completely out of it. I tried to take medicine so I could be good for the game, but my head was hurting bad. I don't know what was going on. I tried to go in pregame, but then Coach Arthur Smith said, we'll be all right. Let's get you right. Robinson was not on any of Atlanta's injury reports leading up to Sunday's action. Now, that brings us to this, where Bison Robinson comes out here, plays 11 of 65 snaps with just one touch. He had one carry for like three yards. Now, it's tough. It's a lot of speculation. Like, he wasn't on the injury report before the game. We don't really know the extent of the injury. Uh, I'm one of the fortunate people where I've, I don't experience migraines, so I couldn't really tell you uh, how those work, but I know that they can be very debilitating. I know, uh, I think Terrell Davis in the past has, have, uh, has had them before, and it's been pretty awful. I don't really think, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, anybody out there that's a Texas fan, I don't really think that this was something that happened in college for him. So to me, I'm not really freaking out. I know that it sucks bad. Like He's been on a cold streak a little bit here, Bijan, and it sucked. Freak things happen. You know, this is a very small percent chance that happens to any player where they get some sort of headache or an emergency and things happen. Things happen. It would have been nice. It would have been real cool if we could have known before the game, right? I have a ton of Bijan, all right? It sucked. <laughs> you know, we got three yards yesterday. But it's it, it's tough for me to tell you guys, like, oh, the, the world is falling or the sky is falling. Like, Bijan Robinson is going to be fine. In my eyes, over the entire season, we've seen it before. Rookies start off a little bit slower or have some bumps in the road. If you remember Jonathan Taylor, his rookie year, I know it's a little bit different, but 
he was not very good but for the first like eight weeks, and then he was just an absolute monster down the stretch. I still have those high hopes for Bijan Robinson. On the bright side, it was a really nice environment for him where they had 36 carries in this game, second most of the entire season. This is what we were talking about in the trade target video, is that this team, in terms of passer over expectation, has been run heavy, but because of their game scripts, they have actually been pass heavy, where they were like 32nd in pass rate over expectation, but like 14th in pass attempts per game. That has sort of came back to the mean here, and we saw a bunch of rush attempts. It just so happened that Bijan Robinson couldn't really benefit from them. Now, again, I'm not really concerned because if we look at the box score, Falcons versus Buccaneers, uh, Algier and, and Cordero Patterson didn't really do too much, right? Like, they didn't look amazing. Where Tyler Algier, yeah, Tyler Algier had 21 carries for 59 yards for a 2.8 yards per carry. Now, Patterson, 10 for, for 56, 5.6 yards per carry is a little bit better there. But that's on a small symbol for Patterson. He had, like, one big run. To me, it's kind of a good thing that, again, Tyler Algier, 2.8 yards per carry is absolutely brutal. Like, they were hurting without Bijan. They just barely got out of this game. I think moving forward, Bijan's going to be in the same role he's been in all season. We're going to have these game scripts where things revert to the mean. They're going to be running the ball as much as we expect them to. And then on top of that, the passing environment was actually like fine is what I would call it. It was low volume, but we had big market shares for Drake London and Kyle Pitts, where Drake London had seven targets for a 28% target share. And Kyle Pitts ran around on 75% of dropbacks. That's a fine number uh, with five targets for a 20% target share. If both those guys are going to be over 20% target shares, on the season and we're going to pass the ball you know 25 plus times we should be okay now I, I would say 25 pass attempts a little bit low this game you'd hope for somewhere in like the 30 plus range or like honestly like right on the dot 30 like 30 to 28 but I think you know game script is going to sort of fluctuate things one way or the other but I really wouldn't panic on any of my Falcons I, I know it sucks like I, I I completely understand again like if you have Bijan that stung but I wouldn't panic. I, I wouldn't like be like, oh man, it's all over. It's, you know, Bijan sucks. Like, no, it just, it sucks, but he had a situation. Uh, now, after that, we have our second takeaway, which is Darrell Henderson came off the couch and went absolutely crazy. Now, something that people don't really under, like know about the Henderson game is on the 14th. So I guess that this had to be like maybe a day before the Kyron Williams uh, news got announced or that like he got put on IR, that Darrell Henderson was going to be uh, signed to the Rams on October 14th he signed with the Arlington Renegades of the XFL he was ready to play spring ball and just hang it all up in terms of his NFL dreams and then the Rams call him up October 17th he signs to the Rams practice squad he gets called up and then he doesn't necessarily ball out by any means but like he was the the main back you know 58% of the snaps here 60% of the rush attempts 41% of the routes 8% target share 100% of the inside the five attempts I mean like you're not going to win a championship with that, but it, it is his first game. He didn't get a preseason. He didn't get training camp with this team. Like, this is a guy very, very raw, off the couch, if whatever you want to say. He handled 20 opportunities. He scored 13.6 fantasy points. It's really all you could ask. And I imagine, as he kind of eases into the NFL here, he gets better. Now, a little bit of a pat on the back here. If you watched the Sneaky Starts video on, on Friday, that was, we liked Terrell Henderson. We were saying... He was what? He was owning like 0.7% of ESPN leagues. I imagine that's going to go up, and we're going to talk about him in tomorrow's waiver wire video. But Darrell Henderson, uh, very fun. I'd call him like while Kyron Williams is out and Ronnie Rivers is out, especially with Kyron Williams on IR. Darrell Henderson, probably like a borderline RB2 until things sort of get back to normal for that team. Uh, it's also worth noting Royce Freeman was the other guy here. 42% of the snaps had 12 opportunities. 
he was actually more efficient on the ground than Henderson, but had nothing in the passing game, nothing on the goal line. Uh, just your between the tackles grinder here, and then zero percent of the snaps for Zach Evans. So, as much as I'm sort of victory lapping Darrell Henderson, I did have Zach Evans as one of our number one waiver wire ads last week. That was before we had the news that Darrell Henderson was getting signed or Miles Gaskin. It was just kind of the the stuff we had to work with on Tuesday pointed at Zach Evans being the guy. And of course, with Sean McVay and Sean McVay fashion, that was not the case. Now, our third takeaway is something else in the same light is Amari, Amari DiMarcado bell cow usage. He comes out here, Amari Di- DiMarcado. And after being the biggest waiver wire pickup heading into week six, he comes out here, splits the backfield three ways with Keontae Ingram and Damian Williams, and none of them look startable. He was outtouched by... I think DiMarcado might have had the third least touches behind Damian Williams and Keontae Ingram last week. We come into this game, by all accounts, no reports of a Keontae Ingram injury, and DiMarcado comes out here and balls for 78% of the snaps. Now, only resulted in 12 PPR points, but I mean, like, this is really good usage. 78% of the of the snaps, 54% of the rush attempts, 68% of the routes. Like, that is really good. Anything over 60% is elite. He had... 13 carries, 58 yards. He had five targets, four catches, 17 yards. So we're talking 17 touches. If this roll sticks in any fashion, this is somebody you can start week in and week out. Now, this has been unpredictable. Who knows if Keontae Ingram is going to be in the mix next week, but De'Aaron Cotto is going to be someone that you have to rank as like a top 30 running back uh, heading into week eight. So be look out for him. We'll probably talk about him on the waiver wire show as well, but I thought it was definitely interesting to talk about sort of how that backfield has been shaking out. Our fourth takeaway is that Lamar Jackson is absolutely dealing, man. Absolutely dealing. And I kind of like the idea that Todd Monken, this new offense, you know, it's not going to click right away. I think that I, I wish, I think something that we need to have more of in fantasy is a little bit more patience, especially for people either in new situations or new offenses starting to develop here. And, you know, when you have to throw away the playbook you've been using since 2018 for Lamar with Greg Roman, it's going to take some time for it to click. Now, the passing offense has looked good, but we've had, like, drops and, like, miscues, and it hasn't, like, fully clicked yet. But then Lamar Jackson comes out here, 21 for 27, 350, 357 passing yards on 21 completions is crazy, three touchdowns, zero picks, 4.5% completion percentage over expectation. He's throwing the ball all over the yard. Only, what, like four of those passes, uh, or no, like five of those passes are behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was just absolutely dealing versus a Lions defense that I was putting a lot of respect on, where they were, I believe, they were seventh best in EPA per play defense with just, you know, defensive efficiency. And I mean, man, like Lamar Jackson and these boys went absolutely crazy. Lamar Jackson also had 36 rushing yards, a touchdown on the ground. I also tweeted here, if you compare this to his MVP season in terms of passing, this might be the best Lamar Jackson's looked like a passer in his entire career in my eyes, where through seven weeks, we're talking 1,600 passing yards, eight touchdowns, three picks. Through seven weeks in 2019, 1,650 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, five picks. So, I mean, the touchdowns were more in like 40 more yards, but the efficiency that Lamar Jackson's having right now, 71% completion percentage, that's like 8% better than he had uh, during his MVP run. 8.1 yards per attempt, that's better than the yards per attempt he had during his 2019 MVP run through seven weeks. And then completion percentage over expectation, plus 5.7% right now through seven weeks during his MVP run, plus 0.9%. So better in completion percentage, better in yards per attempt, better in completion percentage over expectation. Less passing yards, but that's really an attempt thing. And then eight touchdowns, three picks to 11 touchdowns, five picks when Lamar Jackson has like four or five rushing touchdowns. I'm not saying that he 
is you know producing at the same level as he was as an MVP like when he was an MVP he had like 25 points per game at this point right now he's at like 21 points per game so of course he's not on that same level from just like a rushing and just like overall volume standpoint but in terms of passing efficiency right now this is the best Lamar has looked he's also him and Tua right now are the only guys on PFF with a 90 plus passing grade so that is really exciting that we are really seeing Lamar put it all together right now uh so just something to be on the lookout for Andrews got home Zay Flowers looked good uh, Gus Edwards had like an 80 yard reception or something crazy. Uh, just really exciting for the entire Ravens offense. His entire Ravens team uh, is very much legit. Now, I will say, I know we were just talking about with Lamar Jackson and the patience and everything, but I got to be honest, I think the patience is running out when it comes to Calvin Ridley. I hate to say it, but I think it's officially time to panic on Calvin Ridley. He had the Thursday night game. Uh, I will say on the other side of that Thursday night game, Alvin Kamara looked really nice. We'll talk about that in a second, but Calvin Ridley had wide receiver one, you know, top 12 fantasy wide receiver aspirations when we were drafting him at the 2-3 turn. Now, thankfully, the 2-3 turn was kind of a dead zone. Like, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd have to look back at ADP, but I mean, when we're talking 2-3 turn, we're talking Calvin Ridley, Waddle, uh, T. Higgins. None of those guys really have done much. I guess Andrews is in the mix for that, and he's done okay, but the running backs too, like Jacobs hasn't been too great. Derrick Henry hasn't been too great. I'm trying to think. Let me know in the comments. If there's like a two, three round pick that I'm sort of forgetting that is sort of smashing right now, uh, let me know. I guess the elite quarterbacks are doing well, like Mahomes and Hurts and Allen. Uh, I'm trying to think. I wish I could pull up uh, some ADP right now. Or actually, I probably have ADP uh, stored in my Google Drive. Because remember, I did the consensus ADP thing uh, where I compiled all of the ADP before uh, the season where I had... <sighs> Do I still have that? But... I don't know. I, I compiled like the consensus ADP. I think I'll actually be able to find it here. But I tried to find the consensus ADP here. I look through. Can we find it is the question of the day. I might be able to find it. It's looking tough, fellas. It's looking tough. Or No, I got it. I got it. All right. So aggregate rank. So our 2-3 turn here. Let me actually, I'll share my screen. I don't know. This is a ran, This is maybe a tangent that nobody wants to hear about. But how has the two three turn fared? Now our you know our must draft guys were Bijan Pollard. I don't think those have been awful. Calvin Ridley was our must draft guy in the third round, or he, but that was him going to the three twelve in this area, um, where nobody else. I mean, Brees Hall has outdone him. I guess Keenan Allen as well. But like two three turn is where he was going in like more sharp leagues. But you're looking at Jacobs, Waddle, Mahomes, Olave, Devontae Smith. I mean, yeah, none of these guys. I guess, like, like I said, outside of the quarterbacks, none of them have really been great, like these guys in this area. Um, I still stand by, I mean, Calvin really at this 3-4 turn area was just too good value to pass up. Uh, but yeah, Keenan Allen has been definitely outplaying him in this area. But yeah, like I said, the 2-3 turn was kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say dead zone per se, but you know what I'm saying. Like Najee hasn't been good, Metcalf hasn't been good. Until you get to like ETN and lower, uh, things were pretty tough. And like this 2-0, you know, Jacobs through, you know, Metcalf area. Uh, was pretty brutal outside of the quarterbacks I think uh, let me know I feel like if you have any of the elite quarterbacks in that range I feel like you're probably pretty happy with them now uh, when we talk about just Calvin Ridley so far uh, we were saying 11 points per game wide receiver 45 is expected points per game so expected points per game is just based on targets a dot red zone targets how many points should you have just 11.9 that's really not good 1.45 yards per out run you want two plus yards per out run uh, target power on 18.5%. You want at least 20% plus. PFF receiving grade 63. Whereas if we compare that to the last time that he was like a balling wide receiver, top five in the NFL 
18.8 points per game wide receiver four expected points per game was 16.5 2.44 yards per run like a full yard per run better than he is right now 24.4 percent target per run I mean it's just tough 84.7 pff receiving grade it, it's just it it's tough man he is he is in a spot right now where we had again top 12 aspirations for Calvin Ridley it's much more of like a borderline wide receiver two rest of season type of feel is what I'm thinking for Calvin Ridley rest of season. Like it's not completely over, but the idea that he was going to be a like stalwart, like top 12 wide receiver is probably gone at this point, but I would probably still have him, you know, in the wide receiver twenties rest of season around like the Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett range of just, you know, not boring wide receiver twos, but just guys who do their thing without like the absolute pinnacle ceiling of being like a top 12 guy. So we'll see. Uh, I hope he makes me eat my words there because I do like Calvin Ridley, uh, but tough showing so far. I will say on the other side of that game from the Jaguar Saints thing, uh, Kamara, like Kamara since coming off suspension has been crazy. 26.6 expected points per game tied for Eckler, tied with Eckler for the league lead in that department. Now, all the numbers around him are dated, right? Because the only the only games that counted to the point of when I made the screenshot was a Thursday night game. So Eckler hasn't updated for his third game. He played yesterday. Same thing with Saquon playing his fourth, all of that, so on and so forth. But Alvin Kamara, 26.6 expected points per game, 21.2 points per game. I mean, that is, I mean, he has 35 catches. And despite playing just four games so far, that leads the entire NFL among running backs. Like, it's wild, right? 20 plus points per game through four games. Like, there is a legit case to be made if you wanted to that Alvin Kamara is a top five running back rest of season. It's tough because it's volume based right now. He's not being very efficient. And, you know, if Derek Carr ever like picks his head up and decides to throw it downfield to Olave and Thomas and Shahid, then that kind of hurts Kamara. But I mean, it's tough to argue again, 20 plus points per game, 35 catchers in four games here. I mean, that's just crazy. That's it's, it's just crazy uh, what his production has been in the passing game, despite a lack of, you know, overall efficiency here. Now, our sixth takeaway brings us to the world famous, the world famous rookie wide receiver report brought to you by, I guess brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Again, promo code wrong gets you a deposit match up to, a, I was going to say $100, but it's $500 these days. I will put a link in the description and link in the comment section down below. You click it, it'll take it Underdog Fantasy. It'll use promo code wrong. It'll match your deposit up to $500. And then again, NBA, like I, I have 12 teams in the double dribble right now, which is like, it's kind of like the puppy, but for NBA and I love NBA basketball, but I like you, I'm not setting a lineup for 82 games. There's just simple, I'm not doing waivers for that. There's just simply no way. So like best ball for basketball is like sweet, uh, in my eyes. I also have the pick them stuff for the higher lowers on projections. If you're, uh, more in the daily sort of realm on there, but yeah, they have a lot of cool stuff going on there. And then I'll also say, make sure you're subscribed fellas. Uh, it's that time of the year, you know, we're in week eight. Things are slowing down a little bit. Make sure you're subscribed. It happens to me all the time where I, I use YouTube a ton. There's a bunch of channels I love and they're like, yo, subscribe to the channel and be like, I've been subscribed. And then I'll look and I'll be like, damn, I'm not subscribed. So just make sure you're subscribed. Uh, it helps me out a ton. And if sometimes I have people sometimes are like, Ron, my videos are, your videos aren't popping up for me in either the subscription feed or the home page or whatever. If you're not subscribed, they're not going to show up, uh, as often as they could now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't <laughs> those are my notes, but all right. So here's the rookie wide receiver report. First up, we have Puka Nakua. Now, this entire thing is sorted. Uh, you have rookie wide receivers with 70 or more routes sorted by their PFF receiving grade. You have their route percentage. So how many routes are they running? You know, routes divided by the team's total dropbacks. Just 
how how many times on passing plays is he out there running a route right like how much is he on the field during passing plays that's what we care about target per out run anything over 20 percent target per out run is good anything over 25 percent is elite yards per out run anything over two is good pff grade anything over 80 is elite anything over 70 is like okay now puka nakua is just on a different level right now puka nakua is playing out of his god damn mind where this was his first time outscoring cooper cup in a game with him he's only had three career games with him so far but he had 46 percent of the targets in a game next to cooper cup i mean it's mind-blowing 12 targets eight catches 154 yards 23.4 ppr points and 84.9 pff grade on the season and he now joins obj justin jefferson terry mclaurin percy harvin michael thomas garrett wilson drake london jamar chase and mike evans as a rookie wide receiver with an 84 or better PFF grade. And if you even want to shrink that down a little bit more than that, I have this stat here. Puga Nakua, 20.8 points per game, 84.7 PFF receiving grade. Only rookie wide receivers in the PFF era with 16 or more points per game and an 84 plus PFF grade. OBJ, Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Jamar Chase, Puka Nakua through seven games. It's pretty crazy uh, what he's doing here. To me, he's the rookie wide receiver one by a mile. Again, I did a dinosaur rankings update last weekend. I put him at like wide receiver 10. He's that guy. He is amazing is really the only way to put it. Now, after that, we have Rashi Rice. And this is why we do the rookie wide receiver report. We have been talking about him all season long. He has been elite in targets per out run. He's been elite in yards per out run. He's been elite in PFF grade. All of these numbers are what we're looking for. It was just the route percentage, right? It was 50%, then 23%, then 50%. And now we hit 65%. It's still not, it's still not quite where we want to be. But it's a really good sign where that's a season high 65% of the snaps uh, or of the routes. 17 PPR points at the season high as well. He had six targets, five catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Elite route numbers are still sticking here. We just have to hold, stash, and pray. He's now someone you can flex, uh, but he's going to be an every week like wide receiver three, wide receiver two type if we can get that route percentage to 80% plus, 85% plus. That's when it gets really interesting. And I think that that is coming here soon. Now, after that, we have Jake Bobo. Now, by the way, I'm just going to keep moving things down. Like the guy I'm talking about is just the guy at the top of this list or at the top of this chart. We have Jake Bobo. First time uh, first time being on the rookie wide receiver report this season. And it was interesting because he actually ended up being the fill-in. So DK Metcalf didn't play in the Seahawks game. And I wouldn't say that he was quite the, the one-for-one fill-in to DK Metcalf, but you would have expected JSN's route percentage to increase but it just stayed around this 82 81 percent so that tells me that they really like jsn and like this third wide receiver slot role and they like jake bobo on the perimeter much more he was out there uh, i think he's a much more willing blocker than jsn he's out there uh on the goal line he's out there on two wide receiver sets a little bit more than jsn it's not a huge indictment on, on jsn though because he still was fine in this game and like 82 percent of the, the routes isn't like a you know, that's that's where Zay Flowers was this week. Like, it's not it's not a bad thing, but you would like him to be in two, or, uh, Puka territory of like that 90% plus. But again, not a big deal. But Jake Bobo in his own right is more than just a guy. I don't really know what his ceiling is. Uh, this is almost like, like borderline racist, but I think Hunter Renfro is like kind of his ceiling as just like, I don't know, like an unathletic day three white guy that could catch like 60 or more balls in a given year. Like, <laughs> maybe Austin Kali. Like, I, I don't know. One of these guys that kind of just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, 13.9% target route run and 1.56 yards per run isn't amazing, but 78.7 PFF grades promising. He had like a really insane touchdown catch. Uh, you know, he played well 
uh, in this game. Again, I don't know what that ceiling looks like, but he's definitely not a scrub. Uh, like we'll talk. I mean, I don't. I don't want to call any of these guys scrubs, but you know, like guys you could just safely discard, like Dave, Dontavion Wicks and like your uh, Trey Tuckers of the world, right? But Jake Bobo is not somebody to just be discarded. But he's also not really a, a must add in redraft leagues, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, the guys who we're not going to talk about are Tank Dell, uh, Jordan Addison, and John Mingo. They're all on buys or have a Monday Night Football game now. Demario Douglas, man, very interesting. Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas is my bet to be this year's Rashid Shahid. Now, in redraft leagues, he's not necessarily like a must-add or anything, but in dynasty leagues, if Demario Douglas is out there where he wasn't drafted in some leagues, go pick him up off of waivers because he is very interesting. Again, he reminds me a lot of Rashid Shahid where these per-route numbers are really nice, man. He goes from 18% of the routes to out. I, I don't know if he was hurt or Bill Belichick kind of put him in the doghouse here, but then he comes out 76% of the routes. And almost like a compounding effect here is that DeMario Douglas played a bunch and then they beat the Bills, their biggest win of the of the year. So that's almost like a, you know, a double whammy, if you will, on DeMario Douglas, where now Bill Belichick is like, oh, this guy played a bunch and we won a huge game. So let's keep on playing him more, which is a good thing for him. His route percentage went up to 76%. He has a 25% target per run. That's what we're looking for. Two plus yards per run. That's what we're looking for. And he is the last of this bunch of wide receivers over 75 PFF grade, which is really good as well. So that's exciting. He had six targets, four catches, 59 yards here. Nothing too crazy, right? Like just shy of 10 PPR points, but that'll do. Like that is very interesting. He is very interesting. He is not uh, somebody to just sort of toss aside uh, Demario Douglas. Now, after that, we have Marvin Mims. The good news, he hit 45% of the routes, a season high, but... He had negative PPR points this week. He had minus 1.1 PPR points. He was at 11.6 points per game from weeks one through four. He is at negative 0.6 points per game from weeks five through seven. Target part run is dipping. Yards part run is like still staying in an unsustainable territory. PFF grade is dipping. It's looking tough. I still think that Marvin Mims is a stash and I still believe in the talent. Uh, but I, you know, he, he was neck and neck with Rashi Rice at one point as one of these guys where it's like, man, just get him on the field. Uh, whereas Rashi Rice's target part run and all that has stuck, Marvin Mims continues to dwindle down. But I still don't like. I still think Marvin Mims isn't all that far off like these Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, uh, Addison types. It just is a matter of getting his routes up. Uh, now after that, we have Josh Downs, absolutely balled out of his mind. Twenty nine percent target share, fifteen point eight yard a dot, which is huge because he's had games in the past where he was used two-yard dot, three-yard dot out of the slot and kind of looked like Jarvis Landry a little bit or Wandale Robinson. But, I mean, 15.8-yard dot, that's great. 24-point PPR points, that's amazing. He's balling out of his mind with Gardner Minshew right now. We're in two full games with Anthony Richardson, weeks one and four. He was at 5.7 points per game. In five games with Gardner Minshew, playing 50% or more of the snaps, weeks two, three, five, six, and seven, 14.7 points per game, 21.8% target per out run, two-plus yards per out run, and a 76.9 PFF grade. Those are all really, really strong numbers. So there are plenty of reasons to be excited about Josh Downs. Small pat on the back as well, where I know we're talking to the redraft community right now, but during the dynasty season, I have a prospect model called the RS grading system. Josh Downs is the highest graded round three drafted or later wide receiver in my entire database. He had the profile of somebody that did not belong in the third round. To me, he was a second round lock. He slips to the third round. The model still graded him out as an elite wide receiver, which elite wide receivers hit top 24 seasons in their entire careers 91% of the time. So we'll see if that 
sticks for Josh Downs, but a really nice start to his career so far as an RS grade darling. Now, moving off of Josh Downs, next up, we have Zay Flowers. Now, Zay Flowers didn't have a monster game, but that was kind of just because the ball was spread around, right? 21, only 21 completions for Lamar Jackson, but he did have like 300 plus uh, passing yards there. But Zay Flowers still did fine, right? Where he had uh, six targets, four catches, 75 yards. He now has three straight top 24 finishes pending the Monday Night Football. 20% target per out run, just shy of two yards per out run, 72 PFF grade. I'm still all aboard the Zay Flowers train. Nothing really to uh, say there. Then we have Michael Wilson trending towards just a guy territory where he's not really commanding targets. He's not really playing all that efficiently. Now, maybe that's because Josh Dobbs has come down to earth here the past few weeks. We'll see if things change with Kyler. I'm not all that optimistic, though. Then we have Jaden Reed, uh, who's understandably not a full-time player because, of course, they have Christian Watson back and Romeo Dobbs has been playing well. But his per route numbers are still great, right? 20% plus target per route run is fine. 1.64 yards per route run is fine. Uh, PFF grade's kind of mid, but 53% of the routes, he's still got home this week. Four targets, three catches, 21 yards, and a touchdown. He might find a way to get his snap percentage or route percentage higher than 53% or like into the 70s, uh, especially if they were to just take some snaps away from Dontavion Wicks, who is like a complete zero. Maybe he's a blocker. I, ha I don't really know. I haven't really looked into it, but that's where I stand on that. Jordan Addison, again, Monday Night Football. Jalen Hyatt, route percentage went down, but he did have his best game yet where it was, or not his best game yet, but the most targets he's ever had in an NFL game. He had five targets, but he turned that into just two catches for 75 yards. So a little up and down. Jalen Hyatt's looking shaky. I'm not going to lie. He's looking shaky. I, I see the upside, uh, but he could also just be pretty awful. I'm trying to think of like a, uh, a comp for him, but he could be, I don't know, man. Uh, he, he could be like, uh, who is the kid for the Browns? Like he could be Antonio Callaway or he could be Will Fuller. I, I really don't know. Um, after that, we have Dontavion Wicks again, nothing really to see with Wicks, nothing to see with Wicks, Palmer, Scott, Tucker. Uh, so we'll move on to JSN who had a 29% target share, 10 yard dot, 2.74 yards per out run, 16.3 PPR points, all season highs or career highs for that matter. Uh, his first top 24 finish of his career. Really, really exciting stuff. We had a, I sent out a tweet. Or no, we actually had him as one of our starts of the week. Uh, sneaky starts, JSN. We loved him this week. And that was before the Metcalf injury. Uh, but he came out here and he did his thing. He's commanding targets, 19.5% target per run. They're letting him go down the field more. Again, 10-yard dot. That's huge. That's what we've been begging for, man. They've been using him like your you know, Jarvis Landry, Wondell Robinson, uh, Rondell Moore, whatever you want to call him, just like gadget, Kadarius, Tony type players. But they finally like let him play wide receiver. It's also worth noting, this was the highest percentage of uh, routes he's ever ran out wide uh, in the NFL. Now, of course, it's because of the Metcalf injury, but it's just good to see him working around the formation, playing well. Uh, so this was huge for the JSN stock. This is a massive, massive step forward for him. He gave you a performance you can put in your lineup. Uh, and I'm optimistic about him moving forward. Again, he's running the routes. He's commanding the targets. The efficiency is just going to pick up as we go along here is my expectation. Mingo on by. Then we have Quentin Johnston. And this is the elephant in the room. This is, unlike Josh Downs, not balling, but was an RS grade darling. The RS grade, the process model, my RS grade process model loved Quentin Johnston. We loved Quentin Johnston in redraft. We loved him in dynasty. My goodness, things are going pretty, pretty rough here. 13.2% target power run isn't necessarily awful, but it's not good. Uh, yards per run 0.6. So that is awful. 55.7 PFF grade. That is awful. The only things you can cling on to here 
are his route percentage going up, right? 48% to 69% here. The Chiefs are a pretty rough matchup there where Trent McDuffie's amazing. Legarius Sneed's pretty good. I don't... Sneed might have been hurt, though. But it's tough, man. I, it, we're only six games into his career. It wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world for things to start to turn around here. Uh, but the way things are currently trending, he is going, you know, down the path of Sky Moore. So it's tough. If you're in a pickle and you, and you need to drop Quentin Johnston, you can. Uh, where I have him, I'm still a little bit more reluctant to drop him. But if you're in a pickle where you just sort of have to, I mean, he is droppable at this point. Uh, the upside's there. The thesis still remains the same. Second half of the season attached to Justin Herbert. But it's tough. I mean, Palmer is absolutely balled out. He looked great yesterday. Another sneaky start of ours. Um, it's tough. It's tough. He needs to pick it up at some point here or he's going to be face planning and then looking like, an, you know, your next Terrace Marshall. Uh, I'm trying to think of like some other face planners, you know, Jalen Raker would be another one. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep, keep keeping tabs on him. Uh, I'm a little bit optimistic, but it's not looking great thus far. Now that is going to do it for the world famous rookie wide receiver report. Moving on from that, we have non wide receiver rookie wide or non wide receiver rookie breakout. So I want to look at some other rookies that had their breakout games this week, but they aren't wide receivers. First up, we have Jameer Gibbs. We finally saw what Jameer Gibbs could do in a trailing game script, which was massive. He goes out there, 86% of the snaps, season high, 79% of the rush attempts, season high, 78% of the routes, season high, 20% of the targets, not a season high, but he still went absolutely crazy in that department. He took short yardage 71% of the time, 100% of the two-minute drill. I mean, just beautiful stuff. 28 PPR points, the RB2 on the week. He ended up with 11 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. Super efficient there. 10 targets, 9 catches for 58 yards through the air. That's amazing. And despite missing, you know, weeks, I believe that that's going to be weeks 5 and 6, he is 8th in the NFL in receptions at 23, and he is 5th among running backs with 25% target prop run. Now, He's eighth in receptions among running backs is what I meant to say. But the receiving profile, it's everything we wanted. It's perfect. You know, it's perfect. We've now seen a few games where he's had like nine plus targets and it's been like this amazing, you know, rookie Christian McCaffrey type of vibe. So we'll see uh, how this role shakes out when David Montgomery comes back. But as we get into more competitive game scripts here and as Jameer Gibbs earns the respect and the trust of this coaching staff, things are going to get very, very interesting for everybody out there that has been holding on to Jameer Gibbs. Now, after that, we have Dalton Kincaid, who I think is worth talking about, where Dalton Kincaid had a breakout. So this is the thing with Dalton Kincaid that was very weird. It was the first time since week four. Week four is when we thought the Dalton Kincaid breakout happened, right? 48% of the routes for Dawson Knox. 79% of the routes for Dalton Kincaid. And that's when I was like, boom, okay, that's it. And then week five comes, nothing happens. He sits out week six. Then we come in week seven. And just a second time all season, he runs more routes than Dawson Knox. He also set season highs in targets and PPR points with 16 PPR points, giving him his first top 12 finish. The only thing I'm concerned about is one, if this actually sticks, right? We saw it last time. Let's see. Let's try and string two or three together before we sort of, you know, proclaim the breakout. But I'm saying Kincaid has at least arrived in some degree where the door is now open for him to just completely box out Dawson Knox and be the guy as a tight end. The only thing that's concerning is the A dot man 4.6 A dot there is not good 4.31 on the entire year Kincaid how you're going to get you know unless if you're a mega athlete which Kincaid hasn't really looked like that so far unless if you're a mega athlete the way that you're going to get uh efficiency at tight end like Kyle Pitts gets and like Mark Andrews gets is with your A dot uh getting down the field so we need that to be much higher than 4.31 yards right like he is getting 
uh, your Josh Downs, like what we feared for Josh Downs usage, but as a tight end. So if that can go up and we can get some touchdowns in there, uh, some end zone targets, just 4% on the entire year, that would be great. I'm bullish on kind of what his role can become here, but I wouldn't say the breakout has fully happened uh, just yet. Now, our eighth takeaway is Deontay Johnson came back to play football uh, and what that means for, you know, just the Steelers in general at this point. Uh, I think it's a, I mean, of course, we want to see Pat Fryermuth healthy, but the fact that Pat Fryermuth isn't in the mix right now is actually huge because now Pickens and Deontay Johnson can both sort of coexist here where Deontay Johnson had six targets, five catches, 79 yards here. Uh, What did that come out to? 13 PBR points, a top 24 finish. Uh, And that was just on 86% of the routes. I imagine that gets a 90% plus as he sort of works back from injury, but right where he picked up or right where he sort of left off, 25% target per out run, 26% of the targets. That's exactly what we know and love. And then George Pickens out here, man, 29% target per out run, 35% of the targets, 16 PBR points, 16th or wide receiver 16 on the week. That is really, really good stuff. He had eight targets, five catches, 107 yards. So as long as this offense looks decent and as long as Fryermuth is on IR, Pickens and Deontay Johnson should be able to coexist as like borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of guys. Now, my ninth takeaway is the explosive guys coming off of injury watch, uh, for lack of better words. But we have Jonathan Taylor and we have Jamison Williams coming off. Or Jamison Williams has kind of been ramping up and Jonathan Taylor have also been ramping up here uh, coming off of injury, both of them. Now, first up, we have Jonathan Taylor who has looked, or I didn't want that. Jonathan Taylor who has looked really good here. I'll get my face cam in here. Why not? Uh, he comes out here and he gets 22 opportunities. The volume is great. I mean, 20. he has 22 opportunities this week on just 49% of the snaps, which is crazy. Uh, now he gets a passing game usage uptick, which is really huge, where he goes from 37% of the routes to 48% of the routes. He had more routes run than Zach Moss. He had a 19% target share, which is more than Zach Moss. He had a 27% target per route run, which is more than Zach Moss. So he is now very much involved in the passing game. He had 20-plus PPR points in a game versus the Cleveland Browns defense, who has been amazing. And that's on a limited amount of the snaps, right? He didn't even have over 50% of the snaps here. So there is a lot to be excited about when it comes to JT. Now, this offense is going to be great for running back in general, where Zach Moss had 20 opportunities, Jonathan Taylor had 22 opportunities. That's 42 running back opportunities to go around. It's also worth noting, I kept Trey Sermon in here, because you can see Trey Sermon went from 9% of the snaps in Week 6 to 0. So this going from a 3-man backfield for, to a 2-man backfield doesn't seem like a ton, but it's a lot. Like, that is amazing for Jonathan Taylor. This can just be a Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor backfield every week. That is huge. And this environment that Shane Steichen is creating here is great, where they are run-heavy. But most run-heavy teams are going to be like your 49ers and your Titans, where you're going to be run-heavy, but you're going to milk the clock, and you're going to play slow and play at your own pace. But Steichen is run-heavy, but he plays fast, which is how you get 42 running back opportunities, is you're playing fast and you're running plays. And that's how they have the ninth most rush attempts per game at 29.4 and the sixth most play plays per game 67.1 so again they're run heavy but they're playing fast which is great because now you're going to have so many more touches opportunities plays drives available to your running back so jonathan taylor very very excited you can make a case for him uh somewhere in like the top eight running back of season conversation at like the very worst uh right now now we also have jameson williams here and it's not as shiny for him. Uh, he goes 50% of the routes to 19%, and then he goes back up to 45% this week. But it's still, we need 80% plus to ever be comfortable starting him. But we'll take, I mean, 24% target prop run uh, across three games is good. When he's out there, he's getting open, he's getting targets. Just like, man, can he just be a full-time wide receiver? 
Regardless, though, like it is good. He did have uh, he had 143 air yards, but zero receiving yards. He ended up with a goose egg, but 143 air yards. His A dot was what 22 yards downfield, 38% of the air yards. Like that's amazing. That means that his targets are really valuable. Like he can get home if he can just get like three catches, four catches on that A dot, and like one of them end up being a touchdown. He can end up with like a four, like a four catch, 115 yards, and like a touchdown uh, is what's in the range of outcomes for Jamison Williams. Again. We just need him to be on the field. It's good, though, that he bounced back up to that, like, almost half of the routes. It would be really sick if we could see that climb up here. So just something that we're going to be monitoring. Hope for the best. Hope we can get him to, you know, 65%, 75%, whatever. But uh, he was fourth among wide receivers in routes. He was second among wide receivers in targets, though. So that's a good thing as well. We just need him to connect on some of those deep balls and then also become a full-time wide receiver here. Now, our 10th takeaway, something I think that's been going under the radar a little bit here, outlined by Jacob Gibbs, is Javante Williams has looked the best he's looked all year uh, this week, where he had a season-high snap rate, 53% of the snaps this week, season-high route participation at 42% of the routes here in week seven. And you can see, I mean, I don't have uh, that graphic that he's showing here, but he lists some good routes or some good snaps. <laughs> Stats is what I'm trying to say. My God. Uh, but Javante, Javante's rank among 40 running backs with 25 plus rushes over the past month, third in avoided tackle rate, fourth in yards after contact per rush, second in explosive rush rate. Now, Jaleel McLaughlin ranks better than him in all of those categories, but I don't think it matters a ton. He still handled the bulk of the work. He had 19 opportunities, 12.6 PPR points, 5.47 yards per carry, which is great. He had great usage. He gets next week, and then he gets a bye in week nine, and then I kind of expect him to hit after the bye week in week 10 and kind of ramp up and really get going here down the stretch, which is kind of the timeline we were expecting, that like from weeks nine on or after the bye, he could be really, really good because, again, he had that pretty brutal uh, multi-ligament damage uh, knee injury. So wheels up or, you know, trending arrows up on Javante Williams. Now that is going to do it for us today. Again, make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. Promo code wrong gets you a deposit match of $500. Make sure you're subscribed if you're not subscribed already. Make sure you leave a like if you enjoyed. I feel like I had something else to say, but no, that's all I got. As always, I will see you guys in the next one.